Well, as uh, Pastor Bill had already mentioned, this is the first in our series this summer of fervently asked questions. So let me just read for you the question that was submitted in the box. And when Pastor and I, Bill, Pastor Bill and I met, this was the first. Uh, we decided this would be the first in our series, and he was going to ask me if I would handle this question. Here's the question: If the Bible has so much in it to encourage us to pray. If there are so many promises in the Word about God's willingness to answer prayer, why do God's people spend so little time praying? Well, I want to have a prayer and we'll get into our sermon for this morning. Lord Jesus, we believe this is a very important topic. For every one of us to consider, Lord, it was the one thing your disciples asked you when you were here on the earth. They never asked you, teach us how to preach, teach us how to lead a church, teach us how to do good works. But they did ask you, Lord Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so as we come this morning, we know that you are there in the heavens on the right hand of God. And we know that you are interceding for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you. You always live to pray for us. We also know that you sent the Holy Spirit to be in our hearts because we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, Lord, you understand the mind of the Spirit and you pray for us according to the will of God. So we have this confidence that when we come before you, our prayers, the prayers that we offer reach the throne of God according to his will because we have the mediator, Jesus Christ. And so as we open our Bibles, we pray that you would open our hearts. Teach us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I think this is a wonderful question. God's Word has so much to encourage us to pray. Um, Why do we pray so little? But let's take the first question. Let me ask this. What instructions... And I want you all to think about this. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, He will teach you all things. And He will bring to remembrance the things that God has said. So I guess I want you to ask yourself, if you're a Christian this morning, you have the the teacher's aid or the tutor of the Holy Spirit in your heart, ask yourself this question. Maybe jot something down on your paper. What instructions does the Bible have to say regarding prayer? What, what, does, what has God already said? Just take a quick minute, write something down, because I would guess if we survey the whole audience, we're going to pretty well cover a very large portion of what God says in His Word. What does God say in the Bible about prayer? Just take a minute, think about a couple things, jot something down. If a child were to ask you, Daddy, what does the Bible say about prayer? Or if a little girl were to say, Mommy, what, what does God say about prayer? What would you tell them? A grandparent could be asked the question. What would you say? How would you say it? Just jot something down. Okay, hopefully we've got something down. Now, we're not going to take a lot of time, but just real quick, real quick, okay? Somebody give me something you put down about prayer. Listen, pray without ceasing. 
Did anyone else have that one down? Okay, I see a few. Okay, a few hands. Someone else. Carolee, what do you have down? God hears our prayers. Okay, God hears our prayers. That's true. That's a good instruction about prayer. Chad. Okay. Jesus talks about you can pray for what you wish, what you want. Jacob. Pray without doubting. We're going to cover that scripture this morning. Pray without doubting. April. You must ask him to receive answers of that's right. On the first part of what she said, you have to ask in order to receive. James would say, the reason you don't have is because you don't ask. Oh, not to have for failure to ask. Chadley. Okay. We are to pray with patience. You know what? Have you ever asked your dad for something and he doesn't give you what you want right away? Have you ever had to ask more than once? My kids have to ask me a lot of times sometimes, you know. Daniel. James chapter five says right here that says, "I'm going to remember this. Whoever turns a sinful from the error of this way will save him from the death and can cover over a multitude of sin." Okay. And in that same passage, James will tell us that we should pray for one another, that we can be healed. All right, those are great things. I have a number of things. If you would please, Ken, let's see that slide. Here's some instructions, okay? These are some things that I just thought... Remember in Matthew chapter 6, first sermon Jesus ever preached. He taught us how to pray. Matt, in his worship time, told us there are some things we're not to pray like this. And then when he had us read, we read the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you should pray. Pray like this. Alright, and again, that's in Jesus' very first sermon. Later on, kind of in the middle of Jesus' ministry in Luke 11, He was there in a certain place praying and His disciples saw Him and they came up to Him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now it's interesting, when you read the Gospel of Luke and you go through Luke, almost every other chapter throughout the whole Gospel of Luke, Luke mentions something about Jesus' prayer life. Up early in the morning, up late at night, sometimes all night. He prayed in public. He prayed with a crowd. He prayed at a friend's grave. He was praying, 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 praying. And in Luke chapter 11, he's in a certain place praying. And when he finishes, the disciple says, can you teach us? To do that, obviously, he had taught them the priority. What they wanted to know is what's going on inside of your heart when you're sitting there praying. How did Jesus pray? In the book of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it tells us this, that through his lifetime, his life was characterized by prayers with loud cries and groaning. When was the last time you were in a, place, in a spot, in a place, where you cried out to God and you said, Oh God! And it was out loud. And maybe there were tears running down your cheeks. And Jesus, the Bible tells us, Jesus' lifetime was spent in that type of prayer ministry. Not just for Himself, but for all of us. The Bible says that we should pray that we enter not into temptation. Do you remember that? Jesus is in the garden. His mo- one of His most stressful hours before He goes to the cross and He's asking them to pray. He says, pray that you enter not into temptation. In Ephesians, it tells us we're to pray always in the Spirit with all perseverance for all the saints. God tells us there that prayer is something we have to do with perseverance. What does perseverance mean? That's kind of a big word, right? Perseverance? It means to keep on, even when you feel like quitting, keep on persevering in prayer. That's what it says. The Bible says, don't worry. We read that verse too. Um, appreciate Matt's 
uh, slide there. Don't worry. Be careful. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer. In everything by prayer. All right. Let your requests be made known. God's peace will keep your heart. We're supposed to continue steadfastly in prayer. In Colossians 4, we're supposed to pray everywhere without wrath or doubting um, for all people, for authorities there in 1 Timothy. And we are, as was mentioned, to pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Start and don't stop. Pray without ceasing. This is what the Bible says about prayer. Those are just some of the instructions, if you will. But let's back up because the question that was raised was if there are so many encourages, encouragements in the Bible to pray and if there are so many promises in the Word about God's willingness to answer prayer. Okay? Let's take a look at that for just a moment. Think about Jesus. It says last week. Do you remember what His last public miracle was? Well, I know he, he healed that guy's ear right before he went to the cross, but what was his last public miracle? He was on his way into the city the day before he had come past a fig tree, was hoping to get some figs. There were no figs on the tree. And Jesus said, He cursed the fig tree. Let no fruit be on you anymore. The next day they come to that same fig tree. And if you can imagine, perfectly good green fig tree, leaves are green. Next day, all the leaves are brown, dried up from the roots, and this tree is like shriveled and dead. And the disciples were like, whoa, what happened to the tree? And what did Jesus tell them? Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please. Actually, um, Ken, if you would take me two slides, you know, and I'm a little ahead of myself. Thank you. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. God, Jesus is telling them, this is quite a thing to tell him on his last public miracles. He says, listen, I want to teach you something about prayer. God is willing to answer your prayers. This is great. But first we must ask, Let's back up a slide, Ken. Two places. Again, what was Jesus' first sermon? Sermon on the Mount, where He taught them to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, in the very next chapter, Matthew 7, He says, you should ask. Here's the deal. I like this little acronym. Is that an an acrostic? It's one of those things. Where ask, A-S-K, ask, and it shall be what? Seek, and you shall knock. Do you believe that? That's what it says. Matthew 6, here's how you pray. Matthew 7, listen, you need to ask, you'll receive. You need to see, you need to knock. It says, and it shall be open to you. Again, he repeats this same thing. Later on, when they ask him in Luke 11, teach us how to pray. Not only does he teach them how to pray like he did in Matthew 6 and repeats it in Matthew 7, it's later on in his ministry, it's Luke 11 time, teach us how to pray. He says, when you pray, here's how you pray. He repeats the, I think uh, Matt pointed out the disciples' prayer, and he says, and by the way, when you pray, remember this, if you ask, you will receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock... It will be open to you. You must ask, you must seek, you must knock. Okay, thank you, Ken. If you would now go forward two more slides. So, we're back into um, uh, Jesus last week. Jesus' last public miracle. He says, whatever you ask in my name, if you have faith, God will do it for you. Now, 
It's in the Last Supper. I would like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of John. I love John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Why are those special chapters, you might ask? I'll tell you why they're special to me. They're not recorded in any other gospel. Only John talks about Jesus' Last Supper sermon, if you will. This is what Jesus tells his disciples before he leaves. Now, imagine this. If you're a dad here today, and you are going to have your last supper with your children, you know tomorrow you're going to be dead. What are you going to tell your kids that night at supper? I would submit to you that the last thing you want to tell your kids is so important, you want them to remember this. Remember I told you this. Well, what's interesting here, as I begin to look at the subject of prayer, in John 14, again in John 15, again in John 16, three times he repeats himself three times, and each time he repeats himself twice. He'll say it twice in 14, twice in 15, twice in 16. Follow with me. John chapter 14, reading from verse 13. Okay, here it is. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Listen to this. He repeats it again. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Do you see the truly, truly? If you read the King James, the old King James would say, verily, verily. Do you know what that was in the Greek? It was kind of a, hello, team. Attention, class. I'm going to say this twice. Get it. Truly, truly. And then he goes on and he says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Don't miss this. We'll come back to this. That the Father may be glorified. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. He says it twice. In John 14. Turn the page. John 15. Look there in John 15 and drop down to verse 7. In this case, they're not next to each other, these two verses, but he says it again. In verse 7, he says, if you abide in me and my words... And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Okay? This is important, folks, because what Jesus is saying here is there is a real there is real potential in our prayers. Look down a little further. John chapter 15, verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. That's quite a promise. Twice in uh, 14, twice in 15. Let's look in chapter 16. What do you expect? Do you expect to see it twice? It's going to happen again. In John chapter 16. Now, this is the last thing he says before John 17. And John 17 is his prayer. So the last thing he says before he prays is what? Look there in verse 23. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you you will receive that what? Your joy may be full. You got to church today. If I went out to your car, how much gas would be in your tank? 
many of you would like a full tank? Yeah? Now let's talk about your joy meter. Okay? Here's your life. This is full joy. Where are you at today, folks? Do you have a full tank of joy today? Are you going out here just like, oh my goodness, going out? Or are you like, did you coast into church on fumes? I mean, you've had some hard things happen. I know personally some of you are going through some very difficult times. Hard things. Okay? This doesn't mean the Christian life is always one just birthday party. No, sometimes life hurts real bad. But there can be, even in the middle of pain, a deep, abiding joy that is there regardless. And, and I think it's important for us to point this out. But Jesus says in this case, my, one of my reasons for answering what you ask for is so that your joy can be full. And, and if you have your Bible open there, to that's in verse 23, verse 24. And if you um, drop down to verse 26... Here's another verse, I mean, in the same chapter. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father Himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Okay? The Father is going to do what we ask in His name, because we believe in Jesus. So, the Bible has so many things to say about to encouraging us to pray. The Bible has lots of promises. And these, beloved, are just the words of Jesus from a few chapters in the last part of His life has so much to say about God's willingness to answer prayer. Here's the question. Why don't Christians pray more? And it's easy for me to take that question, put it over here on kind of a shelf, and let's just think about that. But you know what's a lot harder? And I'm going to confess to you, your, this picture this week, I told a friend of mine, I was preparing a sermon on prayer. And you know when you have a gun and you're looking down the barrel of the gun? A lot of us think about looking down the barrel of a gun this way. I felt like I was looking down the barrel of a gun the other way. I felt like the truth of God's Word was kind of like hitting me right in the face. I can't say, why don't Christians pray more? I have to say this. This is what I have to say. Why don't I pray for her? And since I don't like to be the only one who's feeling uncomfortable, I'm going to ask you all a question. Take just about 30 seconds, maybe a minute. Ask yourself that question. So many encouragements in the Bible to pray. So many promises that God answers prayer. Why don't I pray more? I had to ask myself this question. I couldn't preach this sermon to you if I didn't ask myself this question first. What would you say? Maybe you can jot something down there. Why don't you pray more? If, if that's a problem. I've been a Christian now for almost 36 years. I have never met a Christian who said, kind of got that prayer thing down. I really think my prayer life is about where it ought to be. I have never. <laughs> 
know I'm a Christian who's ever came to an end with being got my prayer life under control. I have never met a Christian who didn't look at themselves, look at Jesus, read the scripture, and say, say this, ask themselves this, why don't I pray more? If you feel like being vulnerable this morning, maybe you can share something. Um, I think Satan likes to put up walls, you know, and then like everybody gets kind of caught up in their daily activities. Sometimes it's easy to forget why we're all really here, you know, because we get blinded by what's going on in the day to day to day to day, day, you know. And uh, a lot of times, like I find myself only praying in hard times, and I forget that it's important to pray during the good times too. I think I'll let April come up here and preach. I'll stick on out. Thank you. April, thank you for sharing. April's only been a Christian for a little while, but the Bible talks about how a child can lead us. Sometimes when someone's new and fresh, like a kid, they see it for what it is. And I think she said it well. Satan puts up these walls and we get to go on. And the next thing you know, my day's mostly gone and I haven't. And he, he doesn't want me to pray. And, and then I find myself... You know, you find yourself in trouble and you're praying like crazy. Things are going smooth. Wouldn't that be an interesting graph? How smooth is your life going? Well, my life is not going very smooth. And my, my prayer life is up here. And watch what happens. Now, my life is going wonderful, but my prayer life went down. What happened? Did that happen? Anyone else? Who, who else would like to share? Thank you, April. Jacob. Um, for me, for a lot of the time, Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Have you ever quoted that verse when you're about ready to eat a second helping of ice cream? Or something? You know, the spirit is willing. says you should stop, but the flesh is weak. Give me another bowl. The context of that passage is very important. Jesus is in his last hour. He's agonizing over what he has to go through. He says to his disciples, hey, men, I am deeply troubled. Could you pray with me? He comes back an hour later and he says, couldn't you guys stay awake one hour? He said, pray 
that you don't enter into temptation. And he says, the spirit is willing. Guys, the flesh is weak. How about this? Jesus in Luke 18 says he told them this parable because so men would pray and not lose heart. Don't give up. Do you remember the parable he told them in Luke 18? It was about the woman who was uh, a widow and there was an unjust judge. And she went to the widow and she said, hey, this guy is taking advantage of me. And the judge didn't care about God, didn't care about the widow, did nothing. The widow came back the next day. Hey, this guy's taking advantage of me. And finally the judge says, I've had it. This woman's driving me crazy. I'm going to do something for her so she quits bugging me. Now it's told as a negative example. The Bible is basically saying, God isn't like this. He says, in fact, God is like a father. And which of you fathers? If your son comes up to you and says, hey, dad, could I have a fish? And you give him a serpent. If your dad asks for, uh, your son asks for some bread, are you going to give him a stone? He says, no. If you who are evil know how to answer your children's request, how much more? And he says, will God? So that parable about the unjust judge is given as a negative example. God isn't like thee. But that widow, she finally got what she wanted. Parents, and you, do, you have a, do you have a child who's like this? They are really good at finally wearing you up. Finally, okay, enough already. You can have it. Yeah, you're shaking your head. You know who, don't look at them right now. But um, yeah, we have those. All right. We have a tendency to lose heart. We don't know how to pray. We can claim ignorance. I can say, you know what? I, I just don't know how to pray, so I guess I won't. The Bible does admit you don't know how to pray as we should. What's the rest of the verse say? But the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Prayer takes time. Prayer takes focus. Ta- prayer takes perseverance. You have to keep working at it. It's hard. These are biblical reasons why we don't pray. But I want to I focus on something I think is critical. In the Garden of Eden, do you remember what Adam and Eve did with God in the cool of the day? It says they communed. They walked with God. They were with God. Cool of the day. When is it cool and pressing, folks? In the morning. In the evening, right? Not too much in the middle of the day, but in the cool of the day, they were communing with God. They had this communion. What was the very first thing that happened after sin came into the world? Carrie. They stopped praying. Thank you. When God came for his evening appointment, God showed up. Now, God doesn't have to guess where they are, right? Adam, Eve, there's no Adam, there's no Eve. The first question God says is, Adam, where are you? Now, do you think God is like, what bush are you hiding behind? No. God knows where Adam is hiding, right? The question is, where are you in relationship to me? And why aren't we praying? It's a little like when I have sinned against Brenda. Maybe I was short-tempered. Maybe um, I didn't do what she wanted me to or something. Things happen at our house, and I, and I know that I've offended my wife. Well, I'm not really inclined to want to sit down and visit with her right then. You know why? Because she's probably going to bring up that thing that's between us. And so I would rather avoid it. Hello? Can I get an amen here? Because... Sometimes, if there's somebody you know, maybe you owe money, or you've, again, you've offended them, and you see them, we have a tendency to kind of mm, go around and avoid them, so we don't, because if we start to talk, they're probably going to bring up that thing. Now, let, let me ask you a question. If there's something between you and God, some sin, or maybe an ongoing sin, or an attitude, and you know 
like a little child, you've been naughty. Do you want to sit down and talk to your father? No. <coughs> Joanne is 83. Joanne Brewster is our senior member. 83, and she shook her head no. And you know what? Thank you, Joanne, because it doesn't matter how old we are. There are still times when we know there's something between God and I, and I don't really want to sit down and talk with God. Sin can keep you from praying. Agreed? If there's some sin in my life. And also, have you ever felt guilty for not praying? You haven't been there for a while. You haven't had your morning appointment. And you hear the Holy Spirit kind of knocking on your heart. And you know you should go sit in your chair. You know you should open the Bible. You know you should be praying. But you know what? You haven't prayed for a while. So you feel bad about that. And so you continue to not pray. April said it right. Who caused, who was there tempting our first parents to sin and get out of communion with God? Who was there? Who did that? Satan. And I believe the devil himself wants to keep all of God's children today from praying. Because if you, what we should be doing, let's say, I'm going to use a very visible example. Let's say my boys are wrestling in the living room. They break a lamp. The lamp is broken. I come home and I flick on the light and nothing happens in the corner. Hmm. Wonder where the lamp went. We used to have a lamp over there. <laughs> and if my boys never mention it, I'm going to bring it up. But if they met me at the door and they said, Dad, oh, Dad, oh, we have a problem. What's that, boys? We were wrestling and we wrecked over the lamp and we're really sorry. Please forgive us. We have a different thing going, right? Guys, yeah, I will forgive you. Who's paying for that? No. Somebody's going to pay. God doesn't meet us at the door like that, right? If there's something in your life that you have to confess to your Heavenly Father, he, we shouldn't run and hide in the garden. We should meet Him at the gate of the garden and say, Father, I have sinned. And this is a trick of the devil. When we sin, the devil says, Now look what you did. You call yourself a Christian and you just did that or this. You don't have any right to pray. Who do you think you're going to ask God to pray? He's going to throw you out. We should run. We have a forgiving, gracious, merciful, kind, tender-hearted, long-suffering, heavenly Father. Amen. Why don't we run and meet it's a trick of the devil. When there's sin in my life, I have a tendency. And I think it's important for us to realize what happened in the garden was Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil to become like God. And you know what? When you're a God, you don't have to pray. But when you realize God is God and every breath you breathe comes from God, your daily bread comes from God, your relationship and righteousness with Christ comes from God, everything you have comes from God, then what happens? Your need to pray goes up because you realize, who am I? I can't do this without God. I'm going to humble myself, ask forgiveness for my sin. I'm going to humble myself and let God be God. I'm going to humble myself and let Him know I need. I don't care if you've got a freezer full of food. Pray for David. That's right. Doesn't matter. God wants us to pray. So, look at some of these lies from the pit of hell. And I, and I think it's important for... Don't, don't put the word I. Don't say, I don't have enough time. Don't say, I uh, my prayers aren't important. Don't say, God won't hear me. 
these are lies from the pit of hell. Satan speaking in, in second person says, you don't have enough time. Your prayers aren't important. God won't hear much less answer your prayers. You've tried praying before it didn't work. It's not like you're not sinning if you don't pray. Those are lies from the pit of hell. Do you believe them? Because if you believe them, then you change the pronoun. And you say, I don't have enough time. But see, if you remember, wait a minute, that's the devil telling me these lies. I don't have to believe this. Okay, let's address the first one. Do you have enough time? The most important person in the world who ever walked on the face of the earth, who had the greatest potential for ministry and blessing others, had took the time to pray. Jesus prayed. The Bible says at one point, hey, Jesus, look, everybody's coming there. They're really excited about what you're doing. The crowds are gathering around him. You know what he said? I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go pray. He withdrew himself, got away from the crowd, got away from the popularity. He had enough time to pray. Morning, evening, all night, whatever he needed to, he prayed. Are your prayers important? Are they important? The book of Revelation says God keeps your prayers. Back to the parents. Do your kids ever bring home stuff from school? Hey, Mom, I drew this little picture. Put it on your fridge. Do you keep those things? I don't. I mean, for a week or two. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> hey, that's... But some parents keep those things. Years later, they'll hand their children file drawers full of stuff. You did this in the third grade. Hey, I don't say any of that in a mocking tone. When you pray, your Heavenly Father keeps your prayers in a ball. They're so precious to Him that when He's there in front of all His angels and, and they're all worshiping, you know what goes up before God? It's the incense. The smell. What's that smell? It smells really good up here. It's the prayers of the saints. God treasures your prayers. Your prayers are important. How about this one? You've tried praying before and it didn't work. Well, maybe there was something in your heart. The Bible says if I regard iniquity, if I'm holding on to my own will, God will not hear my prayer. Don't be trying to pray to God. If there's something between you and God, get the thing between you and God right. God wants to answer our prayers, okay? And it's not like you're sinning if you don't pray. Is that true? Do you remember what Samuel said? He said, God forbid that I would sin against the Lord. The prophet Samuel, what would Samuel be doing to sin? He said, God forbid that I would uh, sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Not praying was a sin for Samuel. So we have to understand, even my prayerlessness, Lord, I haven't been talking to you for a long time. Please forgive me, okay? Let's combat some of these lies with the truth. All right? Jesus made prayer first priority. God stores our prayers. The Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses, prays for us. Praying in the Spirit helps us focus and persevere. Remember this. When Ephesians 6 says, praying always with all prayer and all supplication, you're doing this in the Spirit. If you're trying to do this on your own strength, it's like trying to fly on Mount Naomi over here, you know? You're not going to get very far. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts, help us pray, then we can move forward. Okay? Remember the widow and the judge. God promises to answer when we ask. And the prayers of the righteous, according to James chapter 5, they do much good. They do much good. So, if we are going to devote ourselves to prayer,
Did I miss the slide, Ken? Did we go to why devote ourselves to prayer? Next one? I'm sorry. If you want to go to that. Why devote ourselves to prayer? Well, beloved, I want to submit to you this. I think April was absolutely right. When we think about praying more, remember this. The devil doesn't want us to pray more. He knows that when we pray, we advance against his kingdom. You can do 101 other things and probably stay awake. But when you try to pray, the devil will come over and hang on your eyelids. Seriously, he will just like try to shut them down. You'll be weary, you'll be tired. He doesn't care if you sort your, 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 your uh, pencil drawer or just go on Facebook for however many hours. Do anything but try to pray, you, you might get sleepy. We are to devote ourselves to prayer. Why? God tells us to. In Colossians chapter 4, God tells us to devote ourselves to prayer. We've got to remember we're in enemy territory, but we want to devote ourselves to prayer. Number one, or excuse me, number two, to avoid temptation. Jesus said we should pray because we don't want to enter into temptation. We also want to bring about, as we read on that slide Matt shared with us, God's kingdom, God's will, and His power, and much good. We devote ourselves to prayer in order for these ends. I'm headed somewhere. We also want to have full joy, according to John chapter 16. He says, my father, you'll have this full joy when you practice prayer. And most importantly, I think, though, is to give God as much glory as possible. Jacob mentioned that. I think it's critical for us. If I'm going to devote myself to prayer, I have to see the end goal is something way beyond myself. It's to glorify God. When I make glorifying God my pleasure, then it's like if you could burn air in your tank, you'd always have enough air to just keep burning. When we make it our desire to honor and glorify God through our prayers, God fuels that fire with more of His Holy Spirit, and He wants to receive, He will receive as much glory as possible. I'm going to talk practically for just a little bit. Okay. Back up of the previous slide, Ken. How can we practically do this? Well, do this, beloved. If not praying has been a problem, start with yourself. Matt, one of the verses from that song you had you led us in, and I hadn't heard it before, was when when I'm surrounded by an army, God is great great enough for me. So but there was the second verse, I think, that says, When I'm filled with pride or self pity, God is great enough for me. Confess our sin of prayerlessness. Say, God, I haven't been praying as much as I want to, or even as much as you've commanded me to. Please forgive me for that. Where I think I don't need God. Remind me I do need God. Help me change from the inside out. And then focus on the Holy Spirit's role in prayer. What is God's role? And He is the helper. The helper help us see our sin, help us repent, help us change, help us be filled with Himself and grow. I would also encourage you to maybe do this with a partner. Is there someone who together, the two of you could say, you know what? You could... Like Weight Watchers. You could look at yourself in the mirror and go, you know what, I got about 15 extra pounds right here. And, you know, your partner says, you know what, I got the same problem. Why don't we get together and see if we can't change this a little bit? We don't have to, you know, do this. We can do it together. We can do it. We're not do it alone. We can do it together. Arm yourself for opposition. Remember this. 101 other things you can do without getting tired. Try to pray and you're going to be sleepy. 
You're not the first ones. The disciples were sleeping quite a few times in the New Testament when they should have been praying. The devil does not want you to pray. You can be Martha. I'm not saying what Martha was doing that day was a bad thing, right? She had house guests and she was busy. But what was Mary doing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, communing with Him, listening to Him. That's what we want to do. All right? Remember, prayer involves sacrifice. Old Testament prayers were sacrifices. Sacrifice is a sacrifice. That's profound, isn't it? A sacrifice is a sacrifice. What's a sacrifice if there's no sacrifice? If it doesn't cost you anything, we might have to work at this. Alright? Remember, prayer involves sacrifice. But then praise and thank God for results. He really does want us to become a church who's praying. A body that's praying. It starts with me. I can encourage Brenda. We can encourage our family. Robert can start with himself and encourage Liz. They can encourage them. And we can all work together. And we can become a praying church. God wants to answer our prayers. And we thank God for the prayers He's answering. But let's press forward. There is a kingdom to be won. There are souls who are lost. Our lives need to be more like Jesus. And how's that going to happen? Do you believe in the power of prayer? Let's practice. And let God teach us to pray. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, it's been our privilege to look into the Word this morning. And we are thankful that it has so many things to say about prayer. And so many wonderful promises about Your ability to answer prayer. Oh God, teach us to pray. Not just the how to pray, but the priority of prayer. Make it real in our lives. And may You be glorified. May our joy be full. May Christ's kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we, Your people, starting with me, Starting with me, Lord, we, your people, learn to be people of prayer in your name. Amen. would like to close. Um, I'm going to have my good friend. Bill was doing introductions. This is Justin Cook, a good friend of mine. He is a 34-year friend. No, we're not 34, but we met in college. Do the math. We're about 50-ish or so, 55 and 52. And uh, he and I have been friends for a long time. He and David are going to come up. We're going to lead a song. This song, do you know this song? What various hindrances we meet? How many of you know this song? Does anyone know this song? Wow! Well, those of you who know this song, oh my goodness. We're going to sing a song. We'll sing it the first time, and then you can join us on the second verse, okay?
Bless you.